Welcome to the Upper Room Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are in your journey, we hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit us at upperroom.ca. My name is Dave, and uh, I'm on staff here. I serve as a teaching and site pastor. Uh, our lead pastor this morning, VJ, um, is our pastor this morning. Our lead pastor, VJ, is in Bolton uh, this morning at our second site, and uh, Uh, wrapping up the FAQ series there, but this morning we have, as Melissa mentioned to us earlier, this great opportunity to kind of just pause um, in the middle, or rather at the end of uh, this series, look back on the last seven weeks, and just stop and and, and pray, and stop and respond, and stop and worship. And even as we just sang, um, you know, we have this confidence that just like the sun is going to come up each day, that God, you are gonna, we have that same certainty that you'll respond to us when we put ourselves out before you. And so uh, you might be just uh, get coming, this might be your first Sunday in church in a while, or maybe it's your first Sunday here in this series, and you're like, oh no, we're going to wrap up a series and be asked to reflect on things, and I wasn't even here for any of that. And that's okay, maybe you're a part of our congregation and you're here regularly, um, and you only caught a few of these. We just want to first of all let you know that you can go online, and we've got a whole archive uh, of all the sermons there. So you can go and just binge your way through uh, the last seven weeks if, if that's uh, something you would like to do. You can get the audio podcast downloaded, or you can actually watch the videos uh, as well. But this great thing, there's this great thing about uh, being together in a group of people, and that is when you have some people who are primed and ready to respond, and other people who aren't so sure, something really awesome happens when we just all do this together, and we get to experience something really unique. And really the goal for us, who wherever you are on that spectrum, someone who's uh, new to church or just you know checking out Jesus, and you're not totally sure, somebody who is well down the line of spiritual maturity, wherever you are in this, we just want to use this as an opportunity to come before God and say, okay, Jesus, what is it that you're trying to tell me today? What is it that I need to know from you? And so we're wrapping up this FAQ series, Frequently Asked Questions, Jesus, World Religions, and the Questions That Matter Most. And um, one of the things we've done throughout the past number of weeks is we've tried to actually um, answer every question each week with the same answer. Not because we're lazy, but rather because in the process of searching for the answers to the biggest questions we ask in life, When it comes down to it, we find that the common denominator, the common answer, is Jesus. So how many of you have seen one of these bumper stickers that that says Jesus is the answer? You ever seen one of these? How many of you have one of these on your car? Anyone? It's okay. I'm not going to make fun or anything. It might be hard to believe if you know me, but I'm not going to make fun, right? I I have had times when I've been driving and I've seen a sticker or a sign that says Jesus is the answer, and I've wondered, what's the question? Like, like what, what is Jesus the answer to? And I think that, you know, that is obviously, you can't preach a whole sermon out of a bumper sticker. But one thing we've seen is that over these past weeks, we haven't attempted to give a comparative religions course because we only looked at some of the big ideas uh, of, of various world religions. We, we haven't been able to work through every single nitty-gritty detail of all of them. But as we worked through those, as we kind of unpacked them and broke them down, one thing we saw time and time again is that when we look at Jesus, he actually puts himself outside of the confines of religion, or outside of the confines of any of these other philosophical ideas that we have in terms of how the world goes around. And so that's actually how VJ launched this whole series. Is this about ideas, or is this about religion, or is this about a person? And, and what Jesus did to, to center himself out, so to speak, 
to, to define himself as being different than all of the other ways that the world was thinking and processing all of these big questions was he actually came from heaven to earth and became a human. And he, this is important to us because it shows that God doesn't misunderstand us. God doesn't have to question and guess what our human experience is like. Rather, God became a human, lived out the human experience. And so as we look to Jesus for the answers to all of these questions, we actually see that he's telling them out of the context that he understood because he came and was made like us as well. And so as we look at all the different questions we talked about, you know, where did we come from? as an example. The emphasis of that question when it comes to a scriptural perspective is not so much um, how exactly did it all happen or, or when exactly did all of that take place, but the bigger question is actually, well, is there a who behind all of it? And as we saw, Jesus is not only the creator of everything, but he's also the sustainer, the one who keeps everything going, which gives us good reason to hope in Jesus and to trust in him when we ask the question, well, you know, look, this is where we came from. He is where we came from. Like, he created us. And look at everything that's broken. Well, because Jesus is the one who created it all, we can hope in him to restore things back to the way they were meant to be because he's the one who actually knows how it was all supposed to be in the first place. We can trust in, or we can try to trust in and hope in world systems and politicians and, and in religion even and philosophy, and yet we've seen, or human progress actually for that matter. And we can see all of the ways that those have kind of let us down time and time again because we're trying, all of those things are attempting, trying to create a solution to this big issues in the world, but Jesus, we can look to him time and time again knowing that he knows how it was meant to be because he made it that way. Um, we looked at a whole bunch of questions, and we're not going to rehash them all this morning, but if we had to sum up the entirety of this series in one verse, I think we would use John chapter 14, verse 6, which says, Jesus says about himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So as we've gone through this entire series, we've been trying to emphasize that um, this is not about getting more head knowledge. This is not about learning more facts, learning more details. It's not about that because it's not this comparative religion thing. It's actually about showing how Jesus makes these claims about himself, lives in such a way that we're actually to look to him and to trust him in all things above all of the other stuff that goes on. And, and what's great about what Jesus says here is that um, he doesn't say, I know the way or, or I've written down the truth or I know how you can get life. But rather, he sets himself apart by saying, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. So sometimes we wonder, you know, how can, you know, how can uh, any faith, or how can a religion claim such exclusivity? And even if you're a follower of Jesus, this might be a conversation you find yourself from time, in from time to time, right? Like, claiming to be so exclusive. This isn't about people who follow Jesus claiming that we have the corner on the market but rather we're looking to Jesus himself who said about himself first and foremost, we, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So it's not as if, um, come to me and I'll give you the map and that's how you'll get to God. But rather he says, the only way to get to God is actually through me, by trusting in me, by following me, by faith in me. 
The only way to get life, as we're going to see in a little bit, a little bit later on with our baptism part of the service, is the only way to get true spiritual life, to experience that vitality, that fullness of life as God intended it, is only through Jesus. It's the thing that he has that he gives to us. And when it comes to understanding um, the truth, well, when we look at who Jesus is again and how he is set apart from all of the systems in the world, we actually see that he is able to shed light and give perspective on all of the various things we face in our lives in a completely different way because he is the true human. He's the, the, the proper human. And what I mean by that is he is someone who became human and lived life just like us. The creator comes and lives life just like us, understanding us, not needing to guess. Not, it, it's, it's actually um, the way that he, what he tells us about life is so profound because he's the creator of life, the sustainer of life, and then he chose to come down and live this life as a model for us as well. And all of this hinges on this idea of trust. And like Vijay spoke about last week, we have a lot of trust issues in life. And so all of this hinges on trust. And so the big question for us then right now is to ask, well, whether or not we actually trust Jesus, we trust in him, or whether or not we just like some of his ideas. And so uh, imagine this, this picture, for example. Imagine there was a bridge, right? And you're looking at this bridge and you're watching people walk over it. You're watching people drive over it. Uh, maybe for some reason you've shook hands with the engineer or the architect that designed it and built it. And you look at it and you say, That's, that looks like a good bridge. That looks like a reliable bridge. But then there's this turning point when it actually starts to matter and your friend comes to you and says, hey, are you ready to go? Let's go cross the bridge. You're like, oh, I don't know about that. Right? I, I see that the bridge seems to be reliable, but I don't know if I'm actually ready to go across it myself. See, that's what actually a lot of us do when it comes to faith. That's what a lot of us do when it comes to Jesus. We say, I like the idea of who Jesus is. Maybe a little bit, maybe a lot of it. I appreciate some of his teachings. Maybe I appreciate all of his teachings. But Jesus is not primarily concerned with that. Rather, what Jesus says to us is, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. Do you trust me? Are you willing to take the step in that relationship with me to say, you trust me? And so this is kind of what we've been trying to hit for the entire past, this entire series. And so what we're going to do now for the next few minutes is we've got a couple of prayer prompters that we're going to have on the screen. Just two really simple uh, questions, phrases. And we're going to spend about five, six minutes, so there's no need to rush through this, to, to pray through these things individually on our own. So number one, looking back on the last seven weeks, whether that's through Sundays or, or through your home group time, or perhaps you've been a part of Alpha that's been running uh, in Vaughn during the week. The question is, as a, uh, all the things we've seen over the past number of weeks, how am I now seeing Jesus differently? Just had a conversation this morning on the way in with one of our greeters about how she is even seeing Jesus differently in the midst of all of these things, even though she's been following him for a long, long time. And I find that to be so encouraging because this means that this is a question for everyone, isn't it? Whether you're just on this, in this process of uh, contemplating who he is or you have been following for a long time, how has he revealed himself to you that you've seen him as the way, the truth, or the life more clearly? And secondly, being honest with our trust issues, knowing that we all have them, what fears or concerns do I have in trusting him? 
And again, you might be a follow, may have been following him for a long time or you're just in the process of deciding whether or not you want to have anything to do with him. And so we're actually going to give, this is a gift of time, I hope. And for some, five minutes will seem like an eternity. For others, five minutes will be like, I can't even get warmed up. And that's okay because we're all in this together. And the great thing is you can just remember these and you can keep praying about them later. And some of you uh, will want to sit and just be quiet. Others of you might want to kind of whisper because you need to hear yourself. Others of you know exactly what to do when it comes to taking five minutes to pray into these kinds of things. But whatever you need to do, this is your time to do that. The, the worship team is just going to play uh, lightly in the background to kind of accommodate us and, you know, and just take away from that sometimes um, really, really loud silence, if you know what I mean. So the band will kind of play uh, through that just so we have a little bit of ambience to keep us moving. And then in time, they'll start singing again. And as they start doing that, if you feel like you're ready to get up and sing, go for it. If you need a little bit more time to pray and reflect, go for it. So let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll go into this time. Jesus, we do thank you for who you are, stepping outside of the bounds, the confines of all these human systems that we created to try and understand God. And you came here like one of us and said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Trust in me, believe in me, follow me, and you will have access to God. And God, that is, that is an incredible promise. We're so thankful for that. So Jesus, in these few moments that we spend now praying and reflecting, I pray that uh, you would meet with us, that you would speak to us as we come to you and lay down before you the, f- the trust issues that we have, that you would help us to see very clearly the thing you've wanted us to learn these past number of weeks and how this goes beyond just head knowledge, but actually gets into our hearts and gets into our souls and changes, transforms who we are from the very core of ourselves. So Jesus, we pray these things in your name and we wait on you. Amen. After Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he spent some time with his disciples, made a number of appearances uh, before other people, uh, and then eventually was ascended up, and he went up, taken up in a cloud and went into heaven. And um, when this happened, just before this happened, Jesus had spent time with his disciples saying that as I, while I'm gone, uh, when I'm gone, when I go up there, you're gonna then go and you're gonna proclaim all that you've heard, all that you've seen to everyone. And he kind of gave them this process and he broke this down as you go here and then here and then here and he broke this all down. You're going to go and you're going to proclaim this message. And so Jesus' earliest followers um, didn't just take this as a suggestion, but they actually took it straight to heart, straight to task, and they went for it. And as they went proclaiming, preaching the good news, really what they were doing is they were telling people, look, we, we saw Jesus we knew Jesus. We spent time with Jesus. Some of you saw Jesus. You, some of you saw that we were with Jesus, actually walking around doing stuff. You saw him die. Others of you saw him then alive again, and you're trying to figure that whole thing out. And you know, it freaked us out just as much as it freaked you out, probably. But now he's gone to heaven to be with the Father, and we want to tell you about what life with Jesus looks like. 
we want to tell you about this good news. And as they went around about and as they preached um, that, uh, about his death and his resurrection, what they were really doing was they were saying, one of the reasons we can see or we can believe and trust that Jesus is for real is because we are actually eyewitnesses and you've actually seen this yourself. And as they would go preaching, they would often include this appeal or this invitation, this encouragement. They would say, repent and be baptized. These are important words in the life of the Christian faith. Really what it is, uh, repentance and baptism are an act of trust. And so in a minute, we're actually going to see, well, more than a minute, but in a little bit, we're actually going to have a baptismal service taking place here, right? We've got a tank of water at the front of a movie theater. It's probably an uncommon thing as far as most of us are concerned, right? That's not a usual thing that we see here. Popcorn on the floor and whatever, the jam that we get stuck to the floor with, that's normal, but not a baptismal tank, right? And so we have it here. And what we see in the process of a baptismal service, as a person decides that they're going to go into the waters of baptism, we're seeing that they're actually living out their trust in Jesus. It's this actual, physical, tangible thing. And so, um, what it is, is actually this representation. I'll read a passage of scripture in a second here, but really it's saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life. I trust in you. And I actually believe that when I put my faith in you, when I trust in you, you actually give me the life that I could never get myself. And so when a person comes to be baptized, they're actually immersed into the water. They go under the water, right? And then do you know what the most important part of a baptism is? I'll tell you. Bringing them back up out of the water. That is, that is the most important part of a baptism. The whole process is important, but the most important part that we actually take them out. Because what we are saying is that this person who professes their faith in Jesus, trusts in Jesus, is saying that I am doing this outwardly symbolic thing of an inward transformation that has taken place. And it symbolizes that I have died with Jesus and I have been resurrected to life with Jesus. Now, the reason we do this is because, well, Jesus went into a grave. He died and went into a grave, but he didn't stay in the grave, right? He came back out. He was resurrected back to life on the third day. Jesus himself was actually baptized in water, which is another reason why we follow in this practice. And you know what? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, and actually the entire chapter of Romans 6, but I'll just read this short piece, really explains this idea well. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so again, this is an outward symbol, an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. And so the process of, of how someone would even come to the point of wanting to be baptized, an individual trusts in Jesus. An, an individual says, okay, I, I admit that I am lost. I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I am at odds with God. Then they say, I I believe that that Jesus is the only possible solution for this. I believe that I can't get life on my own. I believe that Jesus is life and that he gives me that life through faith. And I'm going to do my best to commit myself to living for him all the days of my life by grace. Which means that before any person actually goes into the water, they're already forgiven. 
they're already saved. A person who has trusted in Jesus already has been given and has already received that gift of eternal life. There's nothing magical about this water. It, it might, we might have this sense of it being a mystical kind of thing and there's something mysterious about it, but there's nothing magical about it. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what. If there was something salvific, like you could get saved just by going in the water, you could be right with God just by going in the water, you know what we would spend most of our time doing? Working out at the gym so we were big enough and strong enough to just pick people up and jump, dump them in the water. But that's not at all what this is about. This is about a person who says, no, 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 I trust. This is a personal thing for me. It's an outward expression, a public declaration of a personal faith is what's taking place here. And so, like I mentioned, and like Paul said, as we go into the water, this is symbolic of our death with Jesus. By faith, Jesus who died, we die with him. And then we take the person back up out of the water to symbolically say, we are now risen to new life. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, this eternal life, this new, everlasting, never running out life is something we already have as followers of Jesus who've professed faith in him. We don't wait on it to come one day. We already have it right now. It's important to note too that um, being baptized isn't something we do to earn God's love. Rather, it's something we do out of obedience because we understand that God loves us already. I'll put this another way. God, so Marius is going to be the guy who's coming down to get baptized in just a minute, okay? God loves Marius just as much right now while he's dry in his seat as he will when he's soaking wet coming out of that tank. So this isn't something we do to earn God's love, but it's something we do saying, I know God loves me and I'm willing to take this step to really put, like, to really put my hands on this and say, I'm, I'm going to cross the bridge, so to speak, Right? To think of this isn't just a set of beliefs that I like or something like that. I'm actually going to act on what Jesus is saying. It's also worth noting this. Baptism is not about being perfect. Baptism is saying, I trust the one who is perfect. Like, in order for anyone to get to this place of saying, um, you know, I trust Jesus enough to be baptized, there's a whole swat, like a whole spectrum of where people might be at when they make this decision. So for example, when the disciples were preaching this message of repentance and baptism, the good news about who Jesus is, when they were preaching that, many people would have heard about Jesus for the first time that day that they went into the water to get baptized. And so sometimes we actually complicate this whole process, don't we? Because we make all of these qualifications, we make all of these things, and don't get me wrong, it's important to have understanding. We want to answer questions, we want to wrestle with these things, but for many people, this is actually the first step in the journey of following Jesus. Not necessarily something that comes later with spiritual maturity. It can happen later, but for some it happens right there in that moment. For Marius, we're going to hear from him in, in a minute or two. He's going to share a bit of his stories, and we're going to see where he's at in his part of the journey as he takes this step into the water. But people who recognize who Jesus is and say, I trust in Jesus as my Savior. I, I believe, I trust that Jesus can save me from death. I trust that Jesus gives me new life. I trust that Jesus took away my sin. And then it's people who say, I trust that Jesus is Lord. It's people who say, I, 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 I'm actually making Jesus king of my life now. I, I take my direction from him. He's my boss. He's my king. He's my superior. Where he tells me to go, what he tells me to do, I will do that. And it's for people who are saying, I want to do everything that I can to keep Jesus at the center of my life. 
And that's actually something that, that doesn't immediately happen. You might know somebody actually who, who um, you know, at the moment of their salvation, it's like for a year or something, their whole lives are just spinning. They see Jesus in everything. And this is actually a really remarkable thing. But there's also this, this process of, of over and over and over again, putting Jesus back in the middle where he belongs. And I like this idea of putting Jesus in the middle because sometimes we think of, well, Jesus should be the number one priority, so let's put him at the top of the list. Don't get me wrong, we should do that. But when we think of our, to, our, our to-do lists from time to time, sometimes we think of, well, we get through that task and now I can get on to the next task and the next task and the next task. But if Jesus is at the center, then actually all of the things that we do revolve around him and are centered or anchored on him. And so people who are saying, I trust that Jesus is my savior. He gives me life that I couldn't get for myself. I could never do enough good stuff to earn God's love, but by trusting in him, I receive the gift of love that God gives me, that Jesus gives me. Jesus, I trust you as Lord. I'm going to follow you wherever you take me. And Jesus, I'm going to do everything that I can to center you in my life. And so, Marius, why don't you start making your way down here? And as he comes, I just want to say that um, baptism is an opportunity to celebrate. So as he comes and shares his story with us and goes into the water, we are like, everyone is on Marius' side. We're all rooting for him. This takes a lot of courage, as I'm sure you can imagine. So I just want to say that. But I also want to say that following his baptism, we're actually going to do an open call for baptism. This is something that we, we view as very important in, in the life of our church, is to just say, where, where are you at with Jesus? Is, has the Holy Spirit been working in your life? Are you having this sense of, today is my day? And no, I don't have everything figured out. And no, I, I don't know all that. But yes, I trust him as my savior. Yes, I, 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 I trust him as my Lord. And yes, I'm, I'm making him the center. And so after Mary speaks, I'll come back and give a few more details because you're all wondering what you would wear into the tank. And we've got you covered. Don't worry. Literally, we've got you covered uh, when it comes to that. So we want you, wherever you're at in all of this, we're rooting for Mary. We're cheering for him. Come on up. Um, yeah, we can clap for him right now. I think is good. And... Use this opportunity to, to, if you've been baptized, relive your own baptism. Reflect on that. If you're feeling the Spirit of God tugging at you right now, then don't, don't, don't push that away, but, but pray into that while this is all happening.